0: You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. It is such a great privilege to be with you here um, this morning, but whilst we're still standing, can the keys come back just for a moment, please? Just come back for a moment. I I I wonder if we could give Jesus the highest praise we could really give him this morning is that okay are we okay to do that I'm already feeling at home because I'm, I'm amongst friends so I'm, I'm just gonna go with what I feel in my heart and, and I just wonder if we could give Jesus the highest praise in this place come on let's lift up the name of Jesus in this place come on give Jesus the praise let's give Jesus the highest praise shekarabaya we lift up the name of jesus we lift up the name of jesus in this place over every sickness over every disease we lift up the name of jesus we lift up the name of jesus we give you the praise oh god Hallelujah. baba. Wow. Lift up the name of Jesus. do you know want to know something? Let me tell you something. You know, it, it's one thing making a loud noise. But what I've learned over the years is when it comes to giving praise to Jesus, uh, you need to go back to that place where he did something in your life. And even if it was 10 years ago, 5 years ago, 3 years ago, maybe even last night, you need to go back into the space where you know that had it not been for the Lord who took you out of that place, you wouldn't be here today. You go back to that place and begin to lift up praise to the name of Jesus. God. Krababaya Kandosa by Yakarebosa. Ha ha. Serebosikama. Klerobosikiaman Lusokoma. Ah. Yes, Lord. You know, as you you praise Him for what He has already done, you will begin to cultivate faith for what He is about to do. You know, sometimes we think praise is just about making a loud shout before the Lord, but actually, when you attach your praise to something that God has already done in your life, it will begin to help you cultivate faith and expectation for the things that God is about to do in your life. Wow. You know, for my wife and I, our praise point happened soon after we got married. And we were told that we could could not have any children at all. We could not conceive children. And I remember looking at my wife and I'm thinking, God, this is not part of the plan. This is not what I had in mind. I am first of four in my family and I'd always wanted to have four children. I don't know why. I I mean, at that point, uh, we'll come back to that in a moment and I remember sitting in this little room we were living in Devon at that point and we were called into the hospital we had a, a senior consultant we had a, a, a GP and a junior doctor putting us in this room and explaining to us everything that was happening and why we could not have children and they had already done an investigation in my wife's womb and they basically said my wife would be better off medically without her womb so we need to do a surgery to remove her womb and I, I, we went home, and then a week later, I came back. We came back to the room, to that hospital, and, and we sat in this room, and they gave me all this paperwork to sign as waivers to say, well, in case anything happens or goes wrong in the surgery, I would not be suing the hospital. And I said, okay, fine. They put the paperwork before me. And I remember just before signing that form, the Holy Spirit said to me, don't sign. He said, don't sign. And I stopped. The moment that I stopped, the most junior doctor in this panel just rose up and started to say, hey, before we take her into surgery, can we do a pregnancy test? Now, if you know anything about medical hierarchy, you know that if you're the most junior doctor on the panel, you don't just pipe up and speak unless you're maybe spoken to. But this most junior doctor continued and the consultant said there is no point in doing a pregnancy test because only last week, the previous week, we already did a scan. We know that there is nothing in her womb. We know they cannot conceive. We've already mucked out the areas we're going to cut to get the womb out. We do not need to do a pregnancy test. But the junior doctor continued to persist and said, just before she goes in, come on, just give us a couple of minutes. We just need to do a quick pregnancy test before she goes in. And then the consultant gave in and said, okay, fine. When you go to do her blood." Do the pregnancy test then and get it over and done with. Five minutes later, the consultant walks back in. The junior doctor walked back in, called the consultant out of the room. And five minutes later, the consultant comes back in and says, Sir, I can't explain this to you right now. But all I know is you won't be needing this paperwork anymore. Because your wife is pregnant The next thing that they had to do in that moment was to rush us out of that room and take us into an investigation room for them for them to do a, a, an internal investigation to actually do a proper scan because as far as they were concerned this was a mistake and they took her into this room Do you know those lovely beautiful calm rooms when they do scans the lighting is dim and everything else is really calm and we walked in and I remember looking at that screen I had looked at the same screen seven days prior and there was absolutely nothing in that bit but seven days later they put the scan on her womb and true to form you know when the heartbeat starts to show and I'm looking at this heartbeat I'm thinking Jesus you are amazing They went ahead to measure, they started to measure to see how far gone she was. And they said, sir, we don't understand this because according to our measurements, your wife is seven weeks pregnant. How do you explain that seven days prior There was nothing in the womb and then seven days later, she is seven weeks pregnant. When we talk about a God who is outside of time, it is not a figure of speech. When we speak about a God who is outside of time, it is not a loose statement. everything that the Lord is about to do in this house will confound the limits of time and I remember that time for at least every two weeks they would scan my water bring it in they need to check again and check again, and check again, until you know when she's now walking like this. At that point, you know the baby's here. The baby's not going anywhere. And I remember when she was born, the nursing judge had to come and give a testimony at our local church. And said, "I have never seen anything like this. I can't understand it. I can't explain it. It can only be a miracle." so when i say CLM praise the name of Jesus i need you to go back to some place some difficult place you were in and praise him and lift up his name and i promise you you'll begin to cultivate faith for what he is about to do one last time CLM praise the name of Jesus you are a God who is outside of time you are not restricted to the confines of time you do things as you please you are the one who is the same yesterday today and forever and for that, we give you all the praise in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen and Amen. Hey, come on, give, give Jesus some praise as you high five a few people around you. Take your seats and let's get into the word of God. Wow. As you were saying hi to them, just tell them the guy at the front said hello. I can't high-five everybody here, but if you can do me that favor, I'll be absolutely grateful. Hey, do you want to, just before we get straight into, do you want to see my family now? Do you want to see them? Are you sure? All right, let's go. Can we show my wife, please? My wife, Charlene, her name, ooh, look at that. I am punching above my weight. I know. I know. You don't need to tell me. I, I, I know. I am absolutely punching above my weight and i it's okay it's fine jesus loves me and he has blessed me richly amen and then our first uh, our first daughters my first one and my second one little malia so the one in the in the maroon is malia and that's amaris uh, and it's such an amazing story so for amaris amaris has got her own story as well which is phenomenal her miracle happened after she was born because she basically she 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 was, she was delivered and and soon after she arrived they basically said well we need to take her in quickly because things are not looking good. Now, you know how when, when a child is born, the saturation levels need to be at least high 90s to 100. She had 14. So it wasn't a good situation, but God did a miracle there. And then our third one, little boy called Malachi. Now, don't ah uh, that one. Don't, don't do that. Do, do not, do not be deceived by that little cool, you know, cuteness. That boy is crazy. All right, please don't, don't awe ah him. All right? don't, don't do that. Don't fall for him. Don't fall for it. And then the last one, our little girl, little mal- uh, Anika, little Anika. Yeah, that one has got my number. She has got me wrapped around her little finger and she is a phenomenal little gift to us. So we have four children by the grace of God. That miracle has happened. God is good. If you're here this morning and you are believing God for something that you think is virtually impossible, well, I dare you to believe him again. I encourage you to trust him again. On the back of this journey of of, of prayer and fasting that you guys have been on as a church, I am so excited to have this privilege to be here with you. And just share a few words together we encourage one another uh, on this incredible journey that you guys are on. You are about to get into some incredible times with God. There is no way that you can set aside an incredible amount of time like you guys have as a church of praying and fasting and setting yourselves apart to the Lord and just get back to normal. No chance. Read your Bible. Every time people would set themselves apart for the things of God, God responded. So on the back of this final day, this 21st day, it is now time to begin to expect some unusual things in the presence of God. Amen. Man, I thought you guys would be very excited about that. It's time to expect some unusual things from God at this time. On the back of everything that you have been through, it is an amazing honor for me to speak for my friends. Pastor Martin, Pastor, you guys, listen. I would be having them as my pastors quickly, in a heartbeat. That's how amazing they are. And I know you already know this, right? Can we just honor them, Pastor Martin, (laughs) Pastor Esther? We love you dearly. Thank you so much for all that you're doing. Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 1, verse 4. To verse 8. The title I have for you this morning in, in, uh, for this message, the title is simply this. It's now time to take the stand. Take the stand. Acts chapter 1 verse 4 uh, and verse, verse 4 to verse 9 and it reads, and being assembled with them he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem but to wait for the promise of the father which he said you have heard from me For God, for John, truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had asked, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power. Somebody say power. power. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me. Somebody say witnesses. witnesses. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in old Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and the cloud hid him from their sight. Father, I want to thank you for this privilege we have. And as we enter into your word, Lord, you know I have no desire to do any of this in my own strength. I need you. And I pray, Lord, for that oil again. Lord, as I speak, Lord, touch the hearts of your people that we can all truly be strengthened and encouraged through your word in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said amen. Take the stand. Uh, Some of you in this room would have been invited to, to attend jury's duty or something like that and just go to court and be part of a panel. And, and part of your responsibility is, is to assess witnesses as they give evidence. Amen? And, and I want to bring this to you this morning that we are put in a similar situation where we have, on this passage, we have Jesus speaking to his disciples. He's speaking to his disciples and he's saying to them, hey listen, we we have journeyed together for about three to three and a half years. I I have taught you stuff. You have seen me do some incredible things but I'm about to go back to my father and there's another assignment that you guys are about to embark on but in order for you to be ready for this assignment, you need the Holy Spirit. If you read that again, there, there are two key words here. There is a word that he uses. He's speaking to his disciples. The word disciple simply means someone who's a learner, a seeker, someone who is sitting under a rabbi or a teacher. But then he uses a fascinating word and he says, When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will no longer be just my disciples. You will now become witnesses. That word witness is almost like a legal term, a language that is used within law terms at that time, literally talking about someone who is credible evidence. It's not just about giving evidence, but it's about you becoming the evidence to the existence of the power of Jesus, the love of Jesus. How amazing is that? He says, when you have the Holy Spirit in you, you will no longer be just a disciple. You will now become a witness. You do realize that you can be a disciple without the Holy Spirit. Because a disciple is somebody who is learning from. If you remember, we, had, we, 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 we talked about how uh, John had disciples. All the disciples of John were learning everything that John had to offer. But every single one of them had to come to a point where they had to engage with the person of the Holy Spirit. And this morning, I want to say this to you. For you, uh, Matt's lovers, here's an equation for you. Disciple plus Holy Spirit equals witness. Are you with me? A disciple plus the Holy Spirit equals a witness. Witness. And today I want us to talk about this, this idea. I want you to, to imagine for a moment that you and I are in this courtroom called life. And you happen to be the members of the jury. We all know that our communities today are not interested in just what we have read about and what we know. But they really want to see the evidence of what, how that has impacted our lives, Yes. And it's exactly the same in this moment, where for us as a church today, we're saying, God, how can we be the evidence, credible, trustworthy evidence that confirms you are real? We can't just say, well, the Bible says he's real, so therefore it is. No, 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 no. They'll say, well, great. I'm, I'm glad what the Bible says, but, but show me the evidence that Jesus is real. It is undeniable, we need the power of the Holy Spirit more than ever. And I love how Luke chapter 11 puts it. Luke chapter 11, verse 11 to 13, I'll quickly read. It says, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for any egg, for for an egg, he will give him a scorpion. And if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit, To those who ask Him, I want to bring this to you again and say, the language being used there is not a one-off ask. I asked for the Holy Spirit three years ago. Yeah, that's that's enough. No, it's talking about a continuous, persistent asking, where you do not stop. You keep asking for Him, Lord, Holy Spirit. I need, I need you. I need more of you. Why is that? Because a a, a witness, the witness full of the presence of the Holy Spirit, at every moment of your life, in different places and times, you you, you reveal, your job is to reveal the presence of God. Every time we reveal that presence of God, we are leaking and we've given out. So we need an immediate refilling. He says, persistently ask for the Holy Spirit. But here's what I've realized. Uh, The challenge we have now in church is we can do without the Holy Spirit. We can do church without the Holy Spirit. We can set up without the Holy Spirit. We can sing the songs. We know how to sing our songs without the Holy Spirit. We can do community without the Holy Spirit. And my prayer today is that we As a people, as a church, even in our time, in our generation, I pray that we'll have a revelation that shows us once and for all that we need the Holy Spirit. That there is nothing we can do without the Holy Spirit. It says a revelation of our need for the Holy Spirit will fuel our persistence in asking for him. A revelation of our need for the Holy Spirit will become fuel in how persistent we are in asking for him. Because you realize, I I need him. There is no way I'm going to do this. I I need you, Lord. I'm going to keep asking for you. You know, as I said earlier on, we've got, we now have four little amazing miracles. I say four, but I need to clarify It's four and no more. (laughs) No more. We're done completely. I don't say, am I sure? Yes, I am sure. I am very confident we are are done. The little boy, Malachi, uh, there was a time I was on a Zoom call in the meeting. He comes up to me and says, Daddy, uh, (laughs) can I have a biscuit please? In the way that only he can. But before we go to that story, let me just backtrack a little bit. In my household, shortbread biscuits are famous. Any shortbread biscuit lovers in the room? Okay, that's good. I'm in the right house. And my girls persistently tried to convince Malachi to try shortbread biscuits. And for some reason, he could not be bothered until one particular day, they managed to force him to taste it. That day became the transformational moment of his life. Because he then realized that shortbread biscuit is beautiful. But what happened on the back of that was this. I was in this Zoom meeting, this phone call, um, th- this Zoom meeting, and, 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 and I'm concentrating. And this boy has decided that enough is enough. I need some shortbread biscuit. And he walks into this room, and he just comes up. and says, Daddy, 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 biscuit, please, biscuit, biscuit, please. I said, Malachi, wait. I'll, I'll give it to you in a minute, Malachi. I'll give it to you in a minute. Okay, Daddy. And he waited for a moment. He comes back. Daddy, Daddy, biscuit, please. biscuit it's like literally it's like something there's a real desperation in his heart and i was like "I, i i just i need to get my hands on shortbread biscuit and then i thought okay malachi just wait a moment and then the boy walks out the room and i'm thinking yeah i'm raising a good son he's walked out the room he's listened right moments later i hear this dragging sound in the kitchen i'm thinking what is happening this boy is dragging something. And then I left and I thought, okay, I'm gonna wait. I finished my call, walked out the room. What had happened with this boy is this. He dragged this bar stool in our kitchen, took it to the, to, the, to, to the kitchen cupboard. Now, if you're a parent in this house, in this room, you know that you don't keep sweets and snacks on the lower shelves, right? You gotta put them at the top. But that wasn't gonna stop little Malachi. He took this bar stool, put it next to the kitchen cupboard, and he sat on it. It was one of those, one with the hydraulic switch on the side. He put the hydraulic switch and then he pumped himself up. That's why I told you at the beginning, don't ah that boy. He is, he's crazy. And then he, he went onto the worktop, opened the cupboard, and tada! da right before him was shortbread biscuit. If you don't believe me, there was a picture. There he is. Look at him. (laughs) All of that because he had a first-hand encounter with shortbread biscuit. He's so committed now to getting it at any expense because he's had a first-hand revelation that he needs shortbread biscuit in his life. Ladies and gentlemen, when we have a first-hand encounter with the Holy Spirit, for our need for the Holy Spirit, we will not settle for anything less. Because here's what happens with the Holy Spirit. When we have him, when we ask for him, there are three things that he'll quickly do in our lives. Number one. He will develop our conviction about Jesus. We will never fully know this Jesus we serve until we are at one with the person of the Holy Spirit. CLM, on the back of these 21 days of praying and fasting and spending time in the presence of the Lord, the mandate right now is for you to lean into the Holy Spirit even more and begin to trust him to reveal this Jesus whom we serve he develops our conviction it becomes immovable conviction it's not the kind of conviction that you can you know you can tether from your pastors or you can tether from your parents no no it's it's firsthand it's your conviction It's your encounter. Nobody needs to tell me about God as a miracle worker. Because I've had a first-hand encounter for myself. But watch this. Before my own encounter with him, I had heard about the stories of God being a miracle worker. But that was secondary. That kind of conviction on a secondary level is unsustainable. When the real things hit in life... You can't bank on a secondary revelation. You need your own encounter with him. You need your own experiences with him. And this is why you've got to keep asking for him. He develops your conviction about who Jesus is. And that's why you can speak the name of Jesus in circumstances. Because the Holy Spirit will open your eyes to see... That the name of Jesus is above sickness. The name of Jesus is above any illness. It's above every depression. It's above any lack. The name of Jesus. You know, I know now we just name our children anyhow. We just think, oh, who's going to call them? The most famous name these days is, I don't know, we're going to call them that. But back in the day, in scripture, somebody's name revealed their nature you wouldn't just name somebody for the sake of naming. you had to think about who you what you're saying to them who are you calling them and for, for a lot of parents they had to spend time with God and say Lord could you reveal to us the, the 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 nature of the gift that you're about to bless us with so that we can appropriately name them the Holy Spirit develops our conviction number two the Holy Spirit will deepen our compassion oh we have developed conviction the Holy Spirit will then deepen compassion now there are two types of compassion (laughs) number one is the human compassion that we have we all have it if you're anything like me My compassion levels before coffee in the morning are about here. After a few cups of coffee, maybe two cups of coffee, yep, it goes right up. We're not talking about that kind of compassion. That's just human compassion that is dependent on our circumstances and how we're feeling. I want to talk to you today about divine compassion. The kind of compassion that triggers the supernatural power of God in you to be revealed. That can happen by just feeling sorry for someone. It, it, it needs something that is burning on the inside of you through the Holy Spirit that will reveal the power of God already in you. Matthew 9 tells us a few Uh, a, a, A lovely little story, 9 verse 36 to 37. It says, Jesus speaking, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Another amazing scripture is Matthew 14. Similar incident. The feeding of the 5,000. Remember that conversation between Jesus and the disciples? Classic example of human compassion versus divine compassion. Human compassion in the disciples says, Hey, Lord, why don't you send these people away? It's getting dark. They need to go and get food somewhere. And then Jesus says, No, you feed them. The difference between human compassion and divine compassion and I pray that in this season for you as the church, you'll become a people who are continuously moved with divine compassion. Human compassion is great, but it'll only go up to a certain point. But divine compassion begins to trigger something on the inside of you that will cause you to become a witness. What's happening now is every single day we have two witness stands we have one witness stand here filled with testimonies from the kingdom of darkness. Giving testimony, false testimonies around how Jesus is not real. How, you know, look, if Jesus is so real, look at all these things that are happening in our worlds today. This is being brought before our communities, this is being brought before our societies. And then he says, and they even have the audacity to look at the witness stand for the church. He says, well, if he's real, prove it. Show us. And the challenge we have today is we don't have many people willing to take the stand. Because remember this. When you are a witness in a courtroom, you can't be a witness while you're sort of hiding behind somewhere else. When you are a witness, you have to be prepared to come front and center and take the stand and give evidence. CLM. Are we willing to take the stand? Divine compassion will cause us to be willing to take the stand. I'll tell you a quick story. A little while ago, my wife and I went to visit some of our friends in South Yorkshire. And they happened to be church leaders as well. And and before we left the house, they said, hey, can you just pass through our church and, and just say hi to the people before you go? And we said, okay, fine, we just pass through and say hi, and then we can go. And then when we turned up, they had this all-night prayer thing happening. And, and we were praying. And I remember just walking in, and I just tapped myself in a little corner. And, and as I was praying, I closed my eyes, hands lifted up, and started praying. And I could hear this scream, this crying on my left side, on the far side. And I thought, okay, fine, I'm just going to ignore that for a moment. But the, the, the level of distress in this little voice that was crying... Uh, was so intense that I could not ignore it anymore. And I remember opening my eyes and and what I saw was really shocking. It really broke me. And I remember saying, Lord, you got to do something about this. This is not right. You got to do something about this. And the Lord said to me, um, yeah, I, I did. I, I brought you here. I orchestrated you being here this evening. I have an image that I'm about to show. Um but maybe if you're if you have a young child next to you you might just wanna distract them for a moment. It'll just show and then it'll come off, off of what I so, can you just quickly put it up and then put, take it off? That's the face of the little child that I saw. And human compassion in me said, Lord, you've got to do something about this. And he said, Yes, I have, son. I have. I brought you here. And I remember saying, Okay, great, I will pray. The witness stand is here, but Lord, <laughs> I, I pray that you do something, you know, yeah, Lord, you know, I'm your servant and I, and he stopped me right in my tracks and he says, son, are you willing to take the stand? Now, can I be very vulnerable and honest with you? Self-preservation will trump human compassion any day. When it really comes down to it, self-preservation will absolutely blitz human compassion. What I was doing in that moment was human compassion. Lord, that is no, you can't look at that and just think, that's okay. That's normal. That's fine. Until he said, no, son, you got to tell me. And I said, okay, if it's really you, Lord, you know, you have those moments. You know, it's him, but you're going to, you're going to be like, Lord, but, but if it's really, 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 really you, I need you to, to create an opportunity. And true to four moments after that, the person at the front comes up and says, hey, I just want to quickly say, we've got Pastor Meshach in the house and uh, uh, we're going to ask him to come up to the front and say hi to the church. And I thought, oh no. And I knew in that moment, what was about to happen is an opportunity to take the stand. I went up to the front, I started to, 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 to pray. And as I was praying, I remember I could hear this voice get closer and closer and closer and closer to me. And I'm thinking to myself, oh no, okay, this is the moment. Open my eyes and he was right there in front of me with this young mom. And in that moment, for the first time, my eyes were now filled with divine compassion. Here's what happens when your eyes are open with divine compassion. You begin to see things as he sees them. And then your job becomes to call forth what you are now seeing. When it comes to praying, it's not just about declaring what you would hope can come out. When our eyes are opened to divine compassion, he begins to show you things as they should be. And your assignment becomes call forth. Before I even prayed for that little boy, I started to see him as he should be. And instead of saying, God, you know, I just hope you can do something. All I ended up doing was calling forth. I prayed for the little boy and unbeknown to me, I even touched him. And when I finished praying for him, my hands were full of blood and I looked at him, nothing had happened. And I remember thinking, God, God, how could you put me front and center and then you don't follow up with a miracle? Guess what was happening in that moment? This guy was dying to self. Because here's the thing. In order for you to be a credible witness to the Lord, whenever you take the stand... People should not see you. They should see him. So before you can take the stand as a witness, you will go through a process where God will dismantle things in you that will make sure that when you take the stand, people will not see you and say, Wow, did you see what Meshach did? Did you see what Luke did? Did you see what Jonathan did? No. Did you see what Jesus did? And that is the challenge. I left the room really discouraged. Took my wife, went and washed my hands. We got in the car and we went. Seven days later, a message pinged up on my phone. No words, nothing. It was a picture. Please put the picture up. can celebrate the miracle but for me it's not as simple as that. I was willing to walk away from that boy because human compassion was only willing to go so far. So when I see that picture it cuts me in two ways. I thank Jesus for the miracle but I'm also reminded that self-preservation can only be dismantled by divine compassion. And lastly, when we have developed conviction, deepened compassion, we become deployed into the great commission. That, it has to be in that order. Conviction, compassion, commission. Can you come back to the keys, please? Well, let's finish. And I want to, pray, to you, pray with you this morning and just say, look, what we're about to experience in our lives will start with this immovable conviction about who Jesus is. And it will lead us into this place of divine compassion where it says, look, I'm not looking to somebody else to be the solution. I, I am going to be the solution. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. And then he says, great, I have found a man, I have found a woman whom I can deploy into this commission. Because the commission we have is not an easy one. It's not an easy one. It's not not just a walk in the park. You will be faced with things that could be very, very challenging to you. And we need the power of the Holy Spirit. And this morning, I would encourage you to take a moment, take time to just ask for the Holy Spirit. I know some of you already have done that and maybe you do that regularly, but but I need us to to go further in the Holy Spirit. There's some things that might be happening in your marriage today and you may not understand them. I, I tell you this, ask of the Holy Spirit. Lean into the Holy Spirit. Matthew 28 says this. And then Jesus came to them and said, "All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me." And verse 19 starts with this fascinating word and it says, "Therefore," which simply means based on what has just been said, which was what? Based on the fact that Jesus has all authority in heaven And on earth, he says to them, now go. Go. Not because he said so, no. Based on the fact that he has all authority in heaven and on earth, he says in the same authority he has in heaven and on earth, he is charging you and me to go. But those who are willing to go will have to be the people who have developed conviction, deepened compassion, and are now ready to be deployed into the commission and take the stand. Can we all stand together, please? Jesus. I don't know who's in the room right now and even tuning in online but I just want you to take a moment and, and be honest with yourself because like I said on this side there is always an accusation coming up always an accusation always an accusation the church has lost its power always an accusation But I wonder if in this room, the men and women willing to take the stand. Let us pray. Father, by the power of your Holy Spirit, come on, you can lift up your voice too and pray and ask him. We pray in this moment that Lord, in this house, you will find witnesses. In this house, you will find men and women who are willing to take the stand. In this house, Lord, you will find young people, young adults, youth, children, who are willing to take the stand and reveal you to the world. Father, we thank you for what you are doing in this place, even right now. In the mighty name of Jesus, all of God's people said, amen Amen and amen.